This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, the past several days have seen a level of extreme gun violence in the Bay Area that has set many people on edge. In San Francisco's Mission District, someone shot and wounded nine people last Friday night after firing into a crowd attending a party at a clothing store. The next night in Antioch, seven people were struck by bullets at a birthday party. One of them died, Nadia Tirado, an 18-year-old girl from Oakley. Hours later, back in San Francisco, a person with a gun shot three people, each of whom survived. Sadly, these shootings are part of a broad trend across the Bay Area and the nation. After decreasing for decades, gun violence has surged during the pandemic. So, too, have gun sales. My guest today is Susie Nielsen, a Chronicle data reporter who specializes in tracking crime, as well as its causes and impacts. I want to ask her about how these shootings fit into broader trends and whether there are any signs of hope as the pandemic eases. I also want to ask her where the jump in gun sales fits in. Are more guns ending up in the wrong hands? Or is fear of crime driving people to arm themselves? Susie, there were two mass shootings in a very violent weekend for the Bay Area. Where do we stand overall with gun violence locally, which you've reported surged during the pandemic? This weekend was horrible and and really tragic. And it does indicate kind of an ongoing problem that we've seen since the pandemic began. So, you know, we've reported in the past that for all of its challenges with property crime and drug use, San Francisco doesn't really have an unusually high violent crime rate. And in fact, its homicide rate is much lower than a lot of other major cities. But that being said, since 2020, the city's number of gun-related incidents that have been reported by the police department have rose a lot. So it used to be in the realm of maybe 330 to 350 gun-related incidents a year reported by police, and now we're in the 550 range. So that's a lot. And, you know, that includes all kinds of gun-related incidents. It's not just shootings. It's, you know, somebody brandishing a firearm during a robbery. But it still indicates that there is something going on with the prevalence of guns in San Francisco. The story that we were writing about, Susie, before the pandemic was about crime going down for years and years, for decades. But we did see, not only in San Francisco, but around the country, around the Bay Area, this surge in crime, right? Yeah, totally. We don't get to write about good news a lot as journalists, but this was a rare instance of very good news for the Bay Area and for the U.S., this decades-long decline in violent crime that, unfortunately, for many places, ended in 2019 as homicides and gun-related incidents started to surge. And what do we know about why violence went up during the pandemic? So criminologists love to talk about how hard it is to untangle the various factors contributing to changes in crime. So for example, we still don't know why there was this huge decline in violent crime across the entire country starting in the 90s. And, you know, that's the biggest crime data story of the last couple decades. And criminologists still admit they don't fully understand why that happened. 
And we still don't fully understand why homicides and shootings increased so much during the pandemic, because also overall crime went down during that time. But that being said, criminologists have pointed to a few different factors. So some have said that lockdowns increase the prevalence of domestic violence incidents, which can lead to more intimate partner violence, and a lot of intimate partner violence involves guns. Another factor is that You know, violence prevention workers that I've talked to in Oakland say that school closures impacted violence in their communities because young teenagers and young adults that would have been in high school or after school programs instead resorted to violence and were involved in organized crime. Changes to police behavior may have influenced this surge. So some experts believe that the so-called Ferguson effect, which refers to a reduction in proactive policing after an act of police violence that's really heavily publicized, that may lead to increases in violent crime because police are not really doing their jobs as much. That's a kind of a more disputed factor, but a lot of people believe that's what happened, part of what happened in 2020. And then there's finally this sort of qualitative mix of social breakdown factors, like increased isolation, depression, unemployment, with all the stress that that brought to many people. So getting back to what we saw in the Bay Area over the weekend, there was multiple incidents all across the region. I mean, should we be concerned that we are seeing a continuation of this surge? Could things be getting worse? So hopefully not is the short answer. Cheris Kubrin, who's this UC Irvine criminologist that I really respect, she has told me about how crime patterns can be idiosyncratic at the kind of short-term, month-to-month level. So a weekend like this is unusual, it's super unsettling, and it can make it feel like we're in the midst of this big additional surge in violent crime. But what's probably happening is kind of this isolated, awful weekend that you know may have been made more likely due to the surge in violent crime, But it doesn't mean that we're going to start seeing weekends like this every weekend. And can we move past this pandemic surge? Are there any signs that we are? It's been frustratingly high for the last couple of years. But this year, actually, this one crime data analyst that I follow really closely, Jeff Asher, he collects homicide data across major U.S. cities because the FBI actually takes a much longer time to do this. So he's much better at tracking things in real time. And he has recorded a 12% drop in murders across major U.S. cities in the first five months of 2023, which is the first big sign that we've seen that this horrific trend is starting to reverse. So it's a really good sign. I'm going to keep tabs on this to see if it continues. But so far, the news is good. That being said, it's still higher than 2019. Susie, you and I talk a lot about crime trends. We both love to kind of follow them and try to break them down. We're such nerds. Is it frustrating? (laughs) We are nerds. It's a weird thing to be a nerd about. Um, But is it frustrating, Susie, and can something be done so that we can understand better the rise and fall of crime? That's a great question. I mean, I think that, so the FBI crime data collection process has always been kind of a mess. The agency regularly releases data in a very, very delayed way. And crime data collection is voluntary. So agencies don't actually have to report it. And actually, in the last couple of years, a lot of California agencies just haven't been reporting quarterly data. So we just don't have a really good picture of what's going on. Luckily, the California Department of Justice is a little bit better. So we can get data that way. But 
TLDR, the data collection is really bad. And I think better data collection would help us a lot. But that's a whole nother rabbit hole. But I do think that, you know, crime is such a complex societal issue. And there are so many factors at play. And understanding it does require a lot of acknowledging what we'll never fully understand about how like different factors are involved. And I think the best way to understand it is just thinking about the fact that there are a lot of different things that play into it. And we have to address all of those kind of as a society at once, you know, education, poverty, policing, all those different things. All right, Susie, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about the other story that you've been following, which is the rise in gun sales in the Bay Area. We'll get to that right after this break on Fifth and Mission. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwoy, joined by Chronicle reporter Susie Nielsen. Susie, I want to ask you about this other story that you've been following this week. That's the boom in gun sales in the Bay Area in the past few years. Before we get into all of the nuts and bolts of that, are these two stories related? Do gun sales lead to violence? Does violence lead to gun sales? Oh, it's a great question. And frustratingly, I cannot give you a yes or no answer to it. I can talk, though, about what the overall kind of consensus is on the connections between these two things because they are connected. So first off, let's give a little backstory. Gun sales in the Bay Area and the U.S. soared in 2020, right around the time that the pandemic began. Many of the people buying guns were first-time gun owners, and a lot of those first-time gun owners were women, which really interestingly shifted the demographics of gun ownership. All that being said, the people most likely to buy guns during the pandemic tended to be more likely to be male, younger, Republican, not having a college degree, the kind of typical profile of a gun owner in like mainstream media. And the other thing to note is that spikes like this are not isolated to the pandemic. They often happen in response to big social events or big national events like uh, Sandy Hook. A lot of people started buying guns after Sandy Hook. And many gun buyers said that they were afraid of the breakdown of social order occasioned by the pandemic. So a lot cited the protests related to George Floyd. And then in 2021, actually, we saw another bump right after the January 6th insurrection. Susie, I want to ask you, I mean, you said there was a spike in gun sales after Sandy Hook. Mm -hmm. Is that people that are afraid of a mass shooting or people that are afraid that there might be new laws passed? in reaction to Sandy Hook? I think it's a mix. You know, you do also see increases in gun purchasing when a Democratic president is elected. We've seen that. And people have talked about the Trump slump in gun purchases because people know that when President Trump was in office, he was unlikely to pass any restrictive laws around gun ownership. So you do see that kind of political tint. But I do think that 
you know, as you saw in the pandemic, when there was this fear of violence, a lot of people bought guns to protect themselves. But also, you know, in addition to people saying that they were afraid, there was this increase in homicides and gun violence in 2020. And, you know, some people will say that the increase in violence and gun violence was directly linked to the gun purchases. And other people will say, we bought these guns because of the surge in violence. And I think that both are true to some degree. So Harvard public health researchers have found and other researchers have found that states with higher levels of gun ownership tend to have higher rates of gun violence. It's pretty well known that more guns equals more gun violence. But the extent to which this big surge in gun purchases during the pandemic influenced gun violence and violent crime overall that connection is still not fully understood by researchers. So most people believe that there was an impact, but there was so many other things going on during the pandemic that it's impossible really to fully understand exactly how much this big surge in gun ownership impacted gun violence rates. Another mystery for future criminologists to debate about. All right, well, let's get back to gun sales. You were able to see actual data across the Bay Area, the different counties. What did you find? First of all, I found that San Francisco has not recorded a gun sale with the California Department of Justice since 2015, which I thought was very interesting. Um, well, they don't have any gun stores. Yeah, not a single one, which I, that was news to me, although I guess I'm not fully surprised. But so the, the thing we found that was, I, I thought was pretty surprising is that the county that saw the biggest increase in gun sales during the pandemic was in wine country. It was Napa County not really a county typically known for having a big gun culture. It's very heavily democratic. So I was curious about why that was. And so we actually called up a bunch of gun stores in Napa County and, and visited one in American Canyon. So what did they say? Did they understand why the, the purchases were soaring? The gun store owner I spoke to, his name's Jerry Kunzman, and he runs the 29 Outdoor Gear store in American Canyon. And when I called him, he was like, immediately, it's like, yeah, oh yeah, that totally happened. We saw a huge increase in customers in 2020 and 2021. And what he said actually is that the big increase in Napa County, because the data shows all guns where they were purchased, not like the residences of the people who bought them. He thinks that the big surge is actually coming from people in Solano County. A lot of his clients or customers are from Vallejo, Vacaville, other parts of Solano. And he said that they're responding to a surge of real and or perceived violent crime that's going on in Vallejo. He's actually really good friends with a lot of Vallejo police officers. And it's actually, the, the data does bear this out, that Vallejo saw a really big spike in murders and homicides and, and violent crime during the pandemic. So he says a lot of residents were coming into his store with self-defense motives. And I did speak to Kevin Duquette, who is a Vacaville-based dentist, and he talked about his perception. He looks at next door a lot and he was talking about how there's this increased perception in his community that violent crime is is up. And so he has been buying guns again after, you know, a couple decades of actually not really being interested. Okay. We're, and he's not armed though while we're in the dentist chair though, right? <laughs> Let's hope not. Only armed with the scary dentist tools that we all have to deal with. Susie, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle data reporter Susie Nielsen. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>